Good morning, Redemption Church. My name is Jake. I'm one of the pastors here. And and just like Dave said, uh, we're starting our new series today, and we're going through the minor prophets, the last few books of the Old Testament. And although typically we spend weeks, sometimes even months, looking at a single book of the Bible, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is kind of do like little snapshots of each of these minor prophets. We're going to highlight them individually. And uh, this morning, we're going to start with Hosea. Um, So before we get started, before we dive in, um, I'd like to pray for us. So bow your heads and pray with me. God, you are good. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you love us. Be with us today as we look at um, this book of Hosea, just a clear picture um, of your relationship with us and and also your love for us. And so as we dive in, uh, be with us today, open our eyes to see, open our ears uh, to hear that we may know your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our house, uh, we, have, we have a big fan, um, and uh, we use it to circulate air throughout the house, which is really nice this time of year. Um, but this fan has really been in our house for, been in our family for decades, and it's a really old fan, and it's got a pretty big design flaw on it. And, and it's got this cage that goes around it to protect things from getting into it. And my fingers can't fit through the cage. However, I have three little girls, and they have really tiny fingers, and their fingers can easily fit through the cage. Um, And so as a result, we've told them time and time again not to play around the fan. We've told them uh, not to touch the fan, not really just to not to be anywhere uh, around it. And we've even put it in a room and put it behind a, a gate so they can't get to it. Now, if they start playing with it, if they go near it, if they start touching it, uh, my, my voice and my tone with them won't be very sweet. It won't be very kind. It'll be a, a loud, direct no. And really, the, the, the goal there is to try and open their eyes, to help them, to get them to stop what they're doing, lest they cause immense pain on themselves. And this is the type of language that God uses here in the prophets and his warning to Israel, and he uses it here in Hosea. And although the language that God uses here is harsh, it is at its core born out of love for his people. And just by way of note, today we will be echoing the language of Hosea and and really just kind of the context and the nature of the book. Uh, This sermon will be a little bit more PG, so just a warning to you all. And so with that in mind, let's dive in to Hosea. So we're picking it up in chapter 1, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Barai, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. So so Hosea was called to be a prophet here to Israel um, during the uh, the reign of King Jeroboam. And Israel was the the northern kingdom. And although we do see uh, uh, Judah mentioned here, he's primarily going to be talking to Israel throughout the book. 
Now, this is a couple of hundred years after you know, the famous kings of David and Solomon, and actually shortly after Solomon's reign, uh, the kingdom of the Jews was, was divided between the Israelite, or, I'm sorry, the kingdom of Israel on, in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. And so hundreds of years after David and Solomon, God sends Hosea to that northern kingdom of Israel. And so based off this information, most scholars put Hosea prophesying somewhere around 750 B.C. to about 722 B.C. And it was in 722 that the Assyrians attack Israel, they conquer them, they destroy, um, destroy the nation and take them away. And so with that in mind, let's break down Hosea. And there's really kind of two sections to the book of Hosea. First, we get a picture and then we get a prophecy, and the prophecy explains and applies the picture. And so what I wanted to do this morning was take a look at both the picture and then the prophecy and use it to help us see God better in the light of the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's continue on in the book of Hosea in chapter 1, starting in verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go, Take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore a son. So God tells Hosea to go take a wife, and not just any wife, a wife of whoredom. And it mentions here three times whoredom. And this isn't really a word that we use um, today, and many translations put it harlotry, uh, but essentially God tells Hosea to go take a prostitute as his wife. And God is going to use Homer, the relationship between um, Gomer and Hosea, rather, Hosea and Gomer, use that relationship to reveal a picture of the relationship between God and Israel. So let's continue on. And the Lord said to him, this is Hosea, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore daughter, and the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by the bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. And when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Hosea and Gomer have three kids, all with very, very interesting names. Jezreel, no mercy, and not my people. These are weird names for us, but they are devastating names for the Israelites. God is essentially declaring that he will no longer have mercy on Israel, and that the people that biblically, time and time again, God has called his people, he will no longer call them his people, and they will no longer be his God. And so they will be rejected and We'll talk a little bit more about why God is talking to Israel this way, but something is desperately wrong between the relationship between God 
and his people, the Israelites. And the picture of Hosea and Gomer ends in chapter 3. So let's pick up there. So move over uh, just a page or so to chapter 3. And let's end this story, uh, this picture of Hosea and Gomer. And the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Though they turn to other gods and, uh, and uh, love cakes of raisins, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So I will also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the, come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. We don't really know how this happens or why this happens, but for some reason, Gomer leaves Hosea and returns to her old life of prostitution. And Hosea has to go pursue his wife and purchase her. He, he has to purchase his own wife from a life of prostitution. And he buys her back for 15 shekels and some barley. There's the picture. Hosea is married to an adulterous prostitute. And even by looking at this picture of lo- alone, we can kind of see some of the deep connections here. God is similarly married to an adulterous people, people who have gone away after other lovers. As Gomer committed and covenanted herself to God, I'm sorry, to Hosea, so the Israelites have covenanted and committed themselves to God. Gomer has gone after other lovers, and so also Israel has done the same and committed spiritual adultery. And the rest of the book of Hosea flushes out and applies this idea of spiritual adultery against God. God describes what they have done to commit adultery and what he is going to do in response to that adultery. And so what I wanted to do now is break down and look at throughout the book of Hosea all the different ways that God proclaims uh, Israel has cheated on him. And so all of the following has been pulled from the book as God addresses Israel about their sin. God says of Israel, they have committed adultery, taken what God has given them, gold and silver and wheat and wool, and sacrificed it to other gods. There is no faithfulness. There is no steadfast love. There is no knowledge of God. There's swearing. There's lying. There is murder. There is stealing. There is immense bloodshed. They have forgotten the law of God. They are greedy for iniquity, and they have a ravenous desire for sin. They have forsaken the Lord to cherish sin. There's uncontrolled drunkenness. They make idols of wood, and then they go to them for guidance and advice on their life. Prostitution and sexual immorality is rampant, and it's celebrated. They are stubborn. They have transgressed the covenant. Their priests and religious leaders commit murder. Their government leaders are corrupt. The king leads them in this sin. They gash themselves and they cut themselves in ceremonies for other gods. 
They've loved the prostitute's wages. Sacrifices are defiled, and they have deeply corrupted themselves in every facet of life. They've consecrated themselves to things of shame. They have a false heart. They rejoice over committed sin and corruption. They have eaten the fruit of lies. Businessmen deal falsely and are defrauding the people. There's pride, there's arrogance, there's a belief that there is no sin, and they offer up their children as human sacrifices. Sin is overwhelming the people of Israel. It is affecting and infecting every single aspect of their life. All of this is coming out of what Hosea says uh, is that they have a spirit of whoredom. Who they are at their very core is rebelling against God. And so there is an intense and overwhelming sin in Israel because at their heart, they are sinful people. Their hearts are wicked, and so their actions are wicked. They sin because they desire it above their love for God. They sin because at their core, they want to. They've gone after other lovers. They have committed adultery with God. They were not satisfied with God, and so they turned to other things to satisfy them. They did not trust God to provide for them, so they sacrificed to other gods. They did not trust that God loved them, so they loved others who were not their spouse. They did not believe God was smart enough or powerful enough, so they became proud and arrogant. They did not believe God was going to give them what they needed, and so they defrauded and took from those around them. They did not trust God to protect them, so to protect themselves, they threw their children into fire and sacrificed them. They did not love God So they looked elsewhere and loved other things. And it's not hard to see the similarities between 700s BC Israel and the United States now in 2020. You can't even look at the last few months and see these similarities. Bloodshed upon bloodshed, stealing, lying, defrauding, greedy for iniquity. We don't trust the provision of God, so we hoard toilet paper and food so much that those who are vulnerable cannot get them. Hundreds of years of oppression and sin, rampant sexual immorality, and a celebration of it as being free. Leaders in our government, priests and pastors involved in shameful acts and corruption. Trusting in other things to protect us so we can feel safe and happy. And God is nowhere in the picture and the growing belief that there is no such thing as sin, only you do you. But the problem with, with that, that Hosea's mentioned here, the problem isn't out there. It's here. It's in the church. God is speaking to his people in Hosea, and he is speaking to the church now. The church has, at best, capitulated and let these actions happen. But as we review our hearts, we realize that we are actively taking part in the grotesque sin around us. We do not love God as we ought because we love so many different things. 70% of American men and 30% of American women use pornography on a regular basis. And most reports show that the numbers are the exact same within the church. 
We are blown away by this, this, this story of Israel sacrificing their children, but the church today is contributing to the exploitation of children. I've often heard on this subject, well, I'm not, I'm not hurting anyone, so it's really not that big, big of a deal. Women are coerced, manipulated, drugged, forced day in and day out, and the church is greedy for more. And as it says in Hosea, we are literally sacrificing our own daughters and our own sisters for our own pleasure. The Israelites made for themselves idols of wood and worshiped them. And if you want to know what idol you worship, who are you, and what are you willing to destroy and sacrifice in order to get what you want? We like to think we are Hosea in this story. We are, in fact, Gomer. We have committed spiritual adultery, left the one who loves us most, and committed ourselves to lesser lovers. And the person who our sin most offends is God. He sees everything going on throughout Israel. He sees the Israelites tearing each other apart in order to satisfy their desires. They are killing each other, defrauding each other, hating each other, and God sees it all. God loved them and cared for them and brought them out of Egypt and gave them everything that they needed. He was a perfect husband to them. God is the one who is most offended by our sin. We have forsaken God and cherished sin. And God will not leave sin unpunished. He will not let such adultery go on forever and ever. And we can't read through all of Hosea and see time and time again that Israel is going to punish for sin that God is going to punish the Israelites for their sin. He will not let such grotesque and rampant sin go on forever. He tells the Israelites in chapter 12 that Israel has provoked the Lord and is guilty. And the Lord will repay them for the things that they have done and and that God will come upon them as a bear robbed of her cubs and devour them like a lion. Sin has become out of control and needs to be stopped. But that's not the entire picture. Although the sin in Israel is massive, God tells them of the coming judgment, the book of Hosea is not without hope. And Hosea pursued Gomer and purchased her back, and so God also relentlessly pursues his wife of adultery. Israel has gone after other lovers, but God pursues them and calls them back. Turn to Hosea chapter 2 and hear these words of love that God has for you. Starting in verse 14 of chapter 2. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and I will bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope, And she shall answer in the days of her youth as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the creeping things on the ground. And I will abolish the, the bow and the sword and the war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety, and I will betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and mercy. 
and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Skip forward a little bit to the end there. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. God will have mercy on no mercy. And those who he has declared are not my people, he will again say they are his people. And even though Israel and us have forsaken God and gone after other lovers, God will pursue us, and we will be his cherished bride again. The book of Hosea ends with a plea. God calls on the people of Israel to repent and to turn from their sin and return to the Lord. If they repent, God says in verse 4 of chapter 14, I will heal their apostasy and I will love them freely. We, like Gomer, have gone astray. And Hosea redeemed his bride for 15 shekels and some barley. He purchased her back. Looking at the sin of Israel and looking at the sin of the church, there is no way that 15 shekels and some barley will ever be enough. We cannot look at the sin we have committed and believe that some money and some wheat will be enough to redeem us. We cannot look at 250 years of slavery plus another 150 years of oppression and think that some money and some wheat will ever be enough. We cannot look at the millions of people participating in and and celebrating sexual immorality and think that some money and some wheat will ever be enough. We cannot look at the immense pride and arrogance and greed in our churches and think that some money and some wheat will be enough. We cannot look at all of these things and think that we can be redeemed by so, something so little. But Redemption Church, here's the good news. We are not purchased by something that does not meet the weight of our sin. We were not redeemed, we were not purchased by something that is perishable like gold and silver, but we were purchased with the precious blood of Christ. And God not only pursues his adulterous people, he provides a way for them to be redeemed. And it is through the sacrificial work of Christ alone that redeems us. We cannot be redeemed by any other means. Our evilness in our hearts and actions deserve to be punished by God. And he will come after us like a bear robbed of her cubs and tear us apart. But in Christ, church, we are saved because he was torn apart for us. Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross where he died in our place. We have a God who loves us despite our sin. He relentlessly loves you and seeks you out. He cares for you and he has purchased you. And if you ever want to see and know the love of God, we look no further than the cross where we see our sin most clearly disgusting, evil, and deserving of death, but we also see the incredible love of God where he would put another in our place. It is through Christ and only through Christ that God redeems us. We continually want to go after other things, and so we need to turn around and continually go back to Christ. When we go after other lovers and God is gracious and shows us our error, we don't try and cover it up. We don't try and do something to make it right. We don't try and look elsewhere for salvation and hope. We run to Christ and we rest in the redemption that he earned 
on our behalf. Redemption Church, I want to I end with a quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and, and uh, he was a pastor in Germany during the 1930s and the 1940s, and he says this, you were a great sinner, a great and desperate sinner. Now come as the sinner that you are to the God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you. He does not want to sacrifice or work. He wants you alone. Redemption Church, return to the God who loves you. Let's pray. Father, we are a sinful people and we, we, we confessed it earlier and we ask for your forgiveness and thank you that you are a, a gracious God who loves us. You're a gracious God who redeems us. And thank you for your son who has paid the price so that we can be redeemed. Help us to worship him and love him and respond now um, in the love that, uh, that, that, that you have given us. Help us to always look to the cross for answers. Help us to always look to the cross for salvation, that we may see your love and see your grace. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you are. Help us to honor and love you. In Jesus' name, amen.